Hello, my name is Greta Harrison. Welcome to Born Fabulous, the podcast where we speak with parents, families, and accomplished individuals who just happen to have disabilities. You are about to hear part four, the last in our series with Steve and Laura Riggio. They are the parents of Melissa Riggio, a shining star who accomplished more in her 20 years than many do in a much longer lifetime. She was a published author and wrote the lyrics to two beautiful songs you hear at the beginning and end of this podcast. She started a social group for her peers. She had the same dreams as her siblings, and she wanted to drive, go to college, get married, and have children. She wanted a life like yours. Melissa had leukemia and was taken from us too soon in 2008, but she graduated from high school, fully included, and received her diploma. She was and continues to be a role model for many, including my family. The Riggio family continues her legacy. My family and many others are eternally grateful to them. Can you tell me about the nice surprise that you got from South Korea? Yeah, Steve one day at work received an envelope um, with a, a letter from a school teacher in South Korea and all pictures and letters from their, his students. And it said that, you know, we read uh, about your daughter in some textbook they have She's located after, I think it was Beethoven. I don't know who the other one was, but she was like in the middle. And, um, you know, our students were so amazed by her life and all her accomplishments. They want to, you know, send these letters. And so Steve brought them home. We read them all. They had drew, drew pictures of her, of the pictures they had seen of her, of our family, and uh, said what wonderful parents we were. Um, they were amazed at the kind of dad that Steve was, that he really helped Melissa attain like her dreams. Um, and that in Korea, it's not, it wasn't like that. A lot of the children, it's like going back in time, were kept at home, weren't expected to go to school. And so these kids were just so grateful and so excited that, um, that in their country, people would change their attitudes after reading this article and seeing of all the things that Melissa um, you know, accomplished. And so I, I, after we finished reading them, just looked up and said, Melissa, rest, you're working overtime. Like, it's just amazing to me that we never even knew that she's in a book, you know, that these people like around the world would read about her and then be moved enough to write and draw about, like draw pictures of her. It just was like amazing. That is amazing. When did that happen? Oh, that was about, I don't know, it had to be more than five years ago. I mean, we still have the envelope with the pictures, so I, maybe it's dated, but I think it's at least five years ago. Just out of the blue. Just she out of the blue. It was just amazing. She lives on. She lives Thank on. You. Thank, Thank you. you. 
Thank you. That's wonderful. Tell me, what do you think about the state of the disability world today? Well, I feel like there's, you know, we've done a lot of work, but there's a lot more that needs to be done. And I think I would hope and ask all young parents starting out to pick up the torch and kind of make their marks and make more inroads for people with disabilities. I think we can't stay still. You know, we we need to keep going. Uh, And we need not just people whose kids are grown at the forefront. We need young parents up and coming with like new ideas, new dreams, um, you know, to, to leave their mark for their children and for the other children to come. Would you agree? Mm-hmm. And there's one question that I want, I'm going to be backtracking here, but I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask this because one of Melissa's greatest gifts was her writing. And you've touched on that so eloquently. I want to ask about, how that was fostered in school. I reached out to you many years ago and asked that question because I know in my daughter's case, expressing herself in writing is hard for her. It's, the, it's actually the hardest thing for her. Um, she can do algebra and geometry, but that is, is more difficult for her. And it's been like that for many years. So I remember reaching out to you and asking you about the years when she was in school and how the teachers fostered that. Could you address that? I mean, she always, I I don't know. I mean, she, in the beginning year, she kind of wrote as they had assignments to do what, you know, write a paragraph about this. You know, one time she had to write about like your dad or someone you admire. And she wrote about Steve. Um, You know, I think Melissa wrote, Phonetically, I mean, most a lot of the words she knew how to spell, but if she didn't know how to spell, then she mm-hmm. spelled it the way she heard it. Um, and that never stopped her. And it, the teachers allowed that. In other words, like she wasn't, I mean, she was corrected when you did the final copy, but they accepted that. Um, and so she always just felt free to write. I, I, I really don't know what to tell you. She just always <clears throat> loved to, to write, especially in her teenage years. I think she was born with it, like anyone. I don't think it was anything that was taught to her. I think she was born with an ability to uh, express deeply felt emotions and dreams. So uh, like any writer, it comes from a place that some have and some don't. She had it, and I'm sure that if we hadn't lost her, um, it would have been nurtured. And, and again, I say to Pete Townsend told me, um, you have to nurture this because it's something that can flower. And I have no doubt that her words would have been published in some form. Because I mean, we did try, to, we did at home nourish it in the fact that I bought her a special binder. Right. We had special plastic things. Right. And every time she would come with something, we would read it and say, Melissa, this is like wonderful. We need to start putting these like in, in, right. in a binder. And so we did, we put it in everything in a binder. So that became really special. The fact that she had this binder of all her feelings on every single, you know, um, I don't know, subject. She thought about things that I'm thinking people wouldn't believe that a person with Down syndrome would be thinking about this. It just, you know, 
amazing. And when I think back to, you know, Willowbrook, I just think how many people in there, what a loss to the world and to humanity that those people were, were shut away when they had so much to express and do. Who knew, knows what talents they had? And for disclosure here, for anybody who's not aware, Willowbrook was a horrific institution that was exposed by Geraldo Rivera many decades ago now. Mm-hmm. And um, that's, that's what Laura Riggio is referring to. And it was exposed and definitely closed. Um, yes, you're right. Uh, uh, with the writing, though, what I, I guess I want to emphasize here is that the educators gave her the freedom to write instead of what you were saying. They weren't nitpicking her with rules. Right. They were letting her be free. And that's what I remember you telling me. I remember back in early middle school, late elementary school, going back to educators and asking them if they could please do that. And they could never do that. <laughs> they had to stick to their rules. So I, I just wanted to bring that up as maybe an example for any educators who are listening. That, right. you know. Also, um, it was her desire um, to take reg- uh, regular English classes in, in high school. And so um, I think by senior year, she registered for a regular fiction course mm-hmm. where she read all the books, some that were difficult. We got them on tape <clears throat> to help her. And then also she took the creative writing uh, class, which she was a little annoyed because she thought it would just be time to write whatever she wanted, but there were specific things you had to write about. So that didn't always sit so well, but she enjoyed the class and finished it. So, um, yeah, I feel like our school system in its way fostered it. You're right. That's, that's wonderful. Is there anything else that you'd like to add? Anything no, at all. I just would, if I had to give any advice to, to uh, young parents, what I would say is to um, really become advocates for your child uh, to help them reach their potential and really just to believe in their child and not to um, set limits on what they will, they can and cannot do and not to always listen to the experts because you right. know your child <laughs> right uh don't let them set limits that you say okay they said this so she's not going to be able to do that and the most important thing just love them and enjoy their life and um hopefully you'll get to a point where you can relax like i feel like once we relaxed and melissa started to make those milestones i you know like everything else just fell away i didn't feel like i had to tell every person she had down syndrome what are they going to think I just was able to enjoy her life. Well, I thank you so much for your time today. I cannot tell you how much this means to many, many, many people. You're going to educate many people who may not be aware of what Melissa did, and you're going to jog memories for many others. And the legacy of all you do in her honor lives on. And I thank you so much for everything. Thank Thank you. you. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the fourth episode of Born Fabulous. I hope you enjoyed it and want to hear more. To see more about the Riggios, including photos and videos, please go to bornfabulouspodcast.com. You can also subscribe to Born Fabulous and send feedback. Our next conversations are with Sandra McElwee, mother of Sean from Born This Way, and Jeannie Harris, mother of Tim, who owned a restaurant, counted hugs, and is a successful national speaker. There are several more episodes of Born Fabulous coming. Thanks so much for listening. 
Now enjoy this clip of The Ring, lyrics by Melissa Riggio, music and singing by Rachel Fuller. <laughs> 